0: Hello. That was not a rowdy group of people, was it? Hello. That's, that's better. Um, I was making sure I didn't put you to sleep when I prayed there a minute ago. Um, man, so excited to be here uh, with you guys tonight in this place. Um, Been looking forward to this for uh, months now. Uh, Before you maybe even knew it was a thing, we've been praying towards this moment and leaning into this moment and and trusting Jesus for this moment. And I just want you to know, maybe there's not an arena full of people in here tonight. But man, that doesn't bother me one bit. Amen? Some of you guys worked hours and hours and hours or months and months and months to make this happen. Does, Does it bother you? No. Because I want you to know, man, Jesus shows up in this place, right? Man, I've never been here for a Jesus thing. I assume there's been Jesus things here before. But isn't it amazing to know that God will show up where you are, right? Come on, yeah? Um, that we don't have to uh, go to a building and a place in the front of a room and, and expect God to move only in those areas, but he's the God with us and he's also the God in us, Amen. And tonight, I just want you to know in the middle of Knoxville, Tennessee, um, surrounded by city everywhere, I mean, Jesus is here. And I'm pretty impressed with that. Amen. I want to meet with him tonight, don't you? I want to see what he would say to us tonight. Amen. But can I just maybe speak for a moment to those of us that maybe you're not the quickest to believe, um, the quickest to see, um, the quickest to lean into. If you'll just hang on a minute, and you'll just maybe open up your mind to the possibility that there is a God And he created you, and he loves you, and he came for you, and he died for you. You don't have to jump full on board with me right now, but if you'll just open up your heart to that, man, I have a word for you tonight. Um, Can we do something weird? Um, Yes, I love it. Uh, can we just lean into this moment together? Maybe maybe just stretch out our hands and pray. Um, I don't want to mess anything up. So pray for me if you would. Uh, Father God, tonight we thank you for what you're going to do and what you're going to say. God, tonight we believe you. Man, I believe you because I've met you. I know you. And I've seen you. Your word says to taste and see that the Lord is good. And I believe that he's not just good tonight. He's great and amazing and wonderful and beautiful and powerful and greater than any other name, any other thing, any other substance, any other fulfillment that we can have. Because Jesus, you're the one that spoke life into existence. And you're the one that made me Formed me, your word says. Put me together. And God, from before mom ever knew that I would show up on the planet, you loved me. And maybe the brunt of my life didn't look like that. Maybe it was hard to see and hard to feel and hard to notice. Because everybody goes through stuff. But God, your cross is all the evidence I need. God, I just lean into what you're going to say tonight. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you just fall over this place and fall over our hearts and fall into our field of vision tonight. And we can hear from you. God, remove all the distractions in my brain. Uh And let me hear from you. I love you. Amen. If you have your word tonight and you can see it, I don't know how that works out there. I'm up here, but you're not there, but we'll see. Uh, We're going to be in Mark 15, and uh, we're going to obviously talk about the cross tonight. If you're confused still what we're here for, that's where we're going to go. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about. If you've heard this story before, um, then uh, just hang with me for a minute, and I'm going to pray by the grace of God that maybe just something new and fresh can enter this place tonight. And it's been an amazing past few weeks looking up to this moment. And, and, you know, at church, we've talked about some of these things, but we're going to enter the story about halfway through the crucifixion tonight. So if I can just kind of catch you up at this point in time, there's been some amazing things that have happened in the past 24 hours of Jesus's life. The sacrifice of Jesus didn't start um, on the cross, by the way. In the last 24 hours of Jesus' life, we see that on a Thursday night, he met with his disciples for what we would know as the Last Supper. He knew that. They didn't know that. But when he sat down to dinner that night to eat this Passover um, feast, this feast that the Jews had been celebrating for years and years and years to celebrate God redeeming his people out of slavery through the blood of a lamb, Jesus was thinking... Man, no longer are we going to look back to that lamb. I'm going to, in just a few hours, become the lamb. Jesus sat down to dinner, and as they were eating and going through the script, and there was a script, Jesus started changing some things. He took the bread, and as he broke the bread, he he said these words, This is my body, which is broken for you. Everybody would have looked at Jesus. That's not actually how this story goes, Jesus. Can you you go back and read it the way that we like it, right? Go back and read it the way that we're used to. But Jesus tore this bread, and as he tore this bread, he would have been thinking, this is what I'm about to go through. And he took the cup, this cup of wine, grape juice if you're Baptist, I guess. Uh, He took this cup, and he held it up. And he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. What a weird thing to say at dinner. The disciples would have been confused. And in this moment of confusion, he spoke these words. Behold, the one that's going to betray me is sitting with us at the table. They got up. They left. He went to the garden about 9 o'clock p.m. If you are a time person. And he went into the garden and he told the disciples, wait here and pray that you don't enter into temptation. And Jesus went along a little farther and he prayed this prayer, this weird prayer for me. He said, um, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done in that weird Jesus looking at the cross, knowing the very depth of the pain that he was about to feel, praise, and it seems like he's trying to get out of the cross, praise, right? Father, I don't really think that's like my favorite option on the table. You might be like, that's weird. I've never heard that before. Well, do you want to go get crucified? Jesus was fully God, yes, but he was fully man. And he knew that, man, this was going to be a painful event. This is going to be a horrific event. The beautiful things are going to come through it. But he knew, man, the plan of God is a hard plan. But he also knew it was a good plan. So he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. About 12 o'clock, he got up, and here comes Judas, right? Down the road, Judas walks up to Jesus Kisses him on the cheek, and Jesus said, Man, is that how it's going to go down? Are you going to betray me with a kiss? Jesus was carried off. He was tried two times by the Sanhedrin religious people. Not the hero of the story, by the way. Um, he was tried twice by the religious people of the day. And then he was brought before Pilate, and then Herod, and then a Pilate again. Again. And this Jesus that just a few days ago had been so celebrated, Hosanna, save us now, the same crowd is crying, crucify him. Jesus was beaten, not just like punched, but like they took this whip, this cat of nine tails, this whip full of bone and metal fragments and beat him, pulling the flesh away from his body. He was brought out, he carried his cross from Jerusalem to Calvary and then at nine o'clock in the morning, Jesus, the son of God, the star breather was nailed to a piece of wood and lifted up in front of the whole world. Hanging between two thieves and that is the moment that we enter the story tonight. In Mark 33, this is when it was noon. Now at this point in time, Jesus had already been hanging on the cross for three hours. I think sometimes we get kind of in our heads that this was an easy thing because it's God, right? Oh, it's God, it wasn't that painful, it wasn't that bad, it wasn't that horrible. Yeah, it, it was. He literally had spikes driven through his body. I don't care who you are. It doesn't feel good, right? And then now for three hours at this point in time, the Son of God, the one who breathed out the stars, is being crushed under the weight of his body on the cross. Three hours of standing there with blood loss and, and, and just the force of the weakness pulling down. That's horrible. Horrible. And at this point in time it was only about halfway over it says when it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Now I've heard before, right, that this is God turning his back on Jesus, that, that God just couldn't bear to watch, right, his son suffer. I've heard that and I've always thought that was a giant load. What do you mean God turned his back on Jesus? That God wouldn't look at Jesus? When other time in the Bible have you seen that God was afraid to, to look at sin? That God was afraid that somehow his holy eyes couldn't look upon his suffering son? See, the truth of it is, even in this moment, in the darkest moment, the very darkest moment, God, the Creator, still very much loved Jesus, the Son. Amen? Yes, Jesus now is loaded down with all the sin and all the shame and all the guilt from every person that would ever sin on the planet. Yes, that's a heaping mound of sin on the back of Jesus. But at no point in time have I ever seen where God looked away from the son in the text. Maybe it's a pretty story for us. But I've I've never seen where God looked away from his son or he quit loving his son just because his son was now somehow covered with sin. See, the truth of it is I've never seen anywhere where God quits loving somebody because they're a sinner. I've never seen anywhere in in this book where God quits loving somebody because they're, 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 they're full of shame and guilt. I've never seen that. See, the truth of it is the cross teaches us that, man, it's not that moment where God quits loving us. It's that moment where God's love is so prevalent, right? Romans 5.8 itself says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That, that even in our darkest, even, in our, even, even at our worst, that's when Jesus saw us as we are and he gave his life for us. So, yes, this is a dark moment. But it's not dark because God turned his back on his son yes figuratively this is the darkest moment there has ever been the the breather of the stars now is gasping for breath that, that's a dark moment but it's not just figuratively the darkest moment in the universe it is actually a moment where in the middle of the day i was driving down the road at 12 o'clock today and just noticed how bright it is at 12 o'clock i think cuz i had read this earlier Can you imagine just noon rolls around and all of a sudden the sun is gone? I've never seen a solar eclipse that's lasted three hours. It got me thinking, what in the world is happening here? What in the world is going on in, in this moment? This is a dark moment because the Son of God... Jesus, the perfect, holy, righteous Son of God who's never messed up, never, ever even made a mistake, never even thought something that was bad, right? This is that Jesus, this holy Jesus has been burdened down with all the sin and shame and guilt of the world, and the Son just kind of shuts off in that moment. See, what's weird about that to me is the Son is the most constant thing I've ever seen in my life, Right? I get up every morning, and before I get up, the sun is already there. I don't wake up early. And every day that I've woke up, I've been here 30 years now, the sun has kind of beat me into existence that day. I've never woke up to a day without a sun. you, Maybe if you're from Alaska, if you are, just ignore everything. You're going to get somewhere. But the sun is constant. The sun rises and it sets every day, but in this moment... Even the sun fails. Or can I just say in this moment, as the sun fails, the son of God is saying, even though that thing may fail you, I will never fail you. And then Jesus in 34 This is at three o'clock, the moment the sun kind of turns back on, Jesus cries out with a loud voice Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani. And it's translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I almost skipped this. I'll be completely honest. When I was studying and I started in Mark because I felt like that's where God wanted me to be, and I read these verses, I thought, man, these verses are hard verses. What do you what do you mean? Jesus, the Son of God, prayed, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because everything I've ever everything I've ever seen in this book tells me that God hasn't forsaken Jesus. Actually, this was God's idea. Jesus just confirmed that in the garden a few hours ago, didn't he? He was praying in the garden, he was like, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but if not, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If this is God's will, why would God forsake his son? This word, forsaken, is a word that means forgotten. In this moment, I look at this and I'm like, man, what in the world is going on here? Because everything I've ever learned is that God won't leave you, right? He's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. He won't forsake you, that God never turns his back on us. And here, the Son of God is crying out to God from the cross, God. My God, why have you forsaken me? Can I just maybe interject into this moment? What did not happen? God did not leave. Jesus but the cross is a hard thing can you imagine hanging on a cross for now six hours the pain the immense overwhelming pain of the cross as you're struggling even now to breathe in the one who breathed out the stars is now gasping for breath And in this moment, God has not left Jesus, but Jesus is feeling the full weight of all of the sin and all of the shame and all of the guilt and the weight of I'm about to leave this planet. I'm dying and it's painful and I hate it and it's hard. And what he feels in this moment is abandonment. He was not abandoned, but he felt abandoned. He was not forgotten, but he felt forgotten. See, the reality of this moment right here is for all of us that life can get us in a place where we feel like we have been forgotten, amen, where we feel like, God, where are you at? Because this is what Jesus is saying, Dad, where are you at? You sent me here to do this, and here I am doing this, and I feel so far because I'm being crushed under the weight of sin, and I'm being crushed under the weight of shame, and I'm being crushed under the weight of guilt, and I'm being crushed physically, and I feel like you're not even in the room. You ever been there? You ever been to that place? Or maybe you just wanna yell out, God, where are you at? God, where are you gonna show up today? God, I've been praying, right? Met you in the garden, met you, you know, I've been with you the whole day. Where are you at? I just say, Jesus can identify with you. In this moment, we see that Jesus, even the son of God has got to a place where he feels like, man, this is the darkest hour in my life and I'm struggling right now to even exist. And what he cries out is, God, where are you at? God, where are you at? I and mean, it's amazing to me that Jesus can relate to my heart in that way. Because I've been there. I've I've been there where I've seen things happen over and over again. Like maybe, maybe somebody in this room, maybe, maybe your like your life feels like it's fallen apart right now. And can I just say that Jesus has been there with you, the cross shows us that but the amazing thing is what it also shows us is that's not the moment that we are forgotten that's the moment where maybe we are in the middle of God's plan for us I don't want to hear that what do you what do you mean my life's falling apart and I'm right now in the middle of God's maybe God is going to show up in a way in the middle of the darkness that he could not in the middle of the light because here's what I know, unlike Jesus, I'm stubborn. Anybody with me? And I can do it my way, or at least I think I can. I can go about my path, or at least I think I can. And in those moments, man, it's really hard for Jesus to show up, isn't it? I'm doing it my way, God. Thanks. I'll see you Sunday, maybe not. And maybe, just maybe, sometimes it takes those moments in the very darkness when we feel like life's falling apart for Jesus to step in and to interact with us. So he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it says this happens in 35. When some of those standing there heard this, they said, look, he's calling for Elijah. And you're like, who are these people, right? I didn't hear anything about Elijah in there. Are you Jewish people? Shouldn't you speak like Hebrew? You should know what's going on. And you don't even speak your own language. I don't know what's going on here. But they somehow got off track and they're like, oh, he's, he's yelling out for Elijah. This is in 36. Someone ran and they filled a sponge with sour wine. That's not the good stuff, by the way. And they fixed it on a reed and they offered it to him as a drink. And this is what they said Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. People sitting around kind of scoffing at Jesus here. You would think maybe even some empathy would come along, right? Like here's a man who may have said he's the son of God. Maybe you believe that. Maybe you don't. But he did die on a cross. And in this moment, he's hanging there, bleeding, beaten beyond recognition. And these guys are like, let's watch the show. Let's just see. He's calling out for Elijah. Let's get him something to drink and see if Elijah comes down. And it says, in this moment, but Jesus let out a loud cry. And it doesn't say in Mark what that loud cry is, but it does in the rest of the Gospels. This loud cry was a, it is finished. In this moment, this moment where Jesus could barely even breathe, somehow he mustered up enough air to shout into the world for everybody to hear, it is finished. What do you mean? In the garden, Jesus prayed a prayer, didn't he? Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless... Not my will, but yours be done. What Jesus is speaking here of is this cup. This very cup that a few hours ago Jesus was praying, I don't want that cup. God, if there's any other cup, if there's any other cup with any other thing in the cup, I want the other cup. I do not want this cup. And here after hanging on a tree for six hours, what Jesus musters up enough energy to shout out into the world is... It's done. What he's saying is, man, I drank the cup. See, that cup was filled up with all of the wrath of God, the anger towards God, from God towards sin, the anger from God towards our rebellion. And after six hours of hanging on the cross, what Jesus yells out is, man, I've done it all. So that everybody standing around the base of the cross within earshot of Jesus knew this thing. I've taken all the wrath of God. And I took that cup full of the wrath of God. And I turned it up and I drank it to the very last drop. And there's no more wrath in the cup. There's no more anger towards you in the cup. There's no more, there's, there's no more anger or, or punishment towards you in the cup. I drank the whole cup and there are no leftovers. It's finished. It's done. There is no more. There, there's no more anger towards you, by the way. There's no more anger towards you, by the way. There's no more wrath for you because Jesus took all the wrath on the cross as Jesus was nailed to the wood and beaten and and, and wore the crown of thorns as he did all of that. He did all that so you would never have to. And he shouted out to these people, the very people at the foot of the cross who are saying, let's watch the show. It's done. You, You can laugh at me. I'm not mad. You can mock me. I'm not mad you can call me names I'm not mad you can reject me I'm not mad you you can you can go and you you blaspheme if you want to I'm not mad because all that all that yeah I know you want Elijah to come all that Yeah, I know you follow other gods, not me. Yeah, I know you don't believe. Yeah, I know you've chosen other things. Yeah, I know you put things in your body. Yeah, I know you, whatever, every Friday night. Yeah, I know all that stuff. And I drink every bit of it for you. And it's finished. There's none for you to drink. None left for you. And he yells out, it is finished. And when he does this, it says he breathed his last he exhale. It says in thirty-eight, the curtain of the sanctuary was split into from top to bottom. Yeah, woo. That's a verse we skip over every time we read that, right? And the curtain, who cares about curtains, Jesus? We just want to talk about the cross. Let's see what he's speaking of in this moment is. This curtain that's found inside of the temple of God in Jerusalem, a temple that, by the way, is divided up into three separate areas. There's the outer courts. That's where you would get to be, the farthest away from God, because unless you're Jewish and you're here, which you might be, I hope you are, um, you, you couldn't go any farther. It was the Gentile court. We'd be the farthest away because we weren't the right people group. And then if you were a Jewish woman, you could come a little bit closer but you couldn't go all the way in because you're not a man, sorry. It's not popular, but it's Jews. That's what they did. Uh-huh. And then if you were a Jewish man, you could you'd come a little bit closer. And then if you were from the right tribe, right, if you were a Levite, you could come into the inner courts. You could, you could kind of come in where the, the ministry happened. You could come into the place where God kind of would do some stuff. Because you were born in the right people group. And then if you were by chance, this one guy, the high priest, one time a year you could go into this place called the Holy of Holies. And that's where the presence of God dwelt on planet earth. And there was all kinds of stuff that would have to happen for you to go in. But you could, you could go in. But you were the only person one time a year who could go into the presence of God come past that curtain that separated the holy place and the inner courts, and you could peek around, and you could come into the presence of God, but everybody else on the planet was counted out. If you think your odds are good on that, if you're one in nine billion, I guess, and you think that's the, the deal for you, maybe, maybe that's an amazing thing. But When this curtain was ripped, it was ripped from top to bottom, not from man to God, but from God to man. And Jesus said, it is finished, and he breathed out that last breath. God took hold of that barrier that separated man and God, and he obliterated the thing. He opened the door, right? Actually, he didn't just open the door. He blew up the door. Like, there is is no door. And what God was saying in that moment is, you can come. Amen? What God was saying in that moment is, you don't have to be the right people group. You, you don't have to be religious enough. You don't have to be good enough. You, you don't have to do anything, actually. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to admit anything. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to earn anything. He said everybody right now has access. You know why? Because it is finished. Everybody can come in because my son on the cross drank the whole cup, and he said when he drank the whole cup, it is finished. It is finished. And when he did that, what he said was, what we just watched on that video, hey, you know what, the cross is for you and now you can come in. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter what you've spoke. It doesn't matter how you've lived. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what family you come from. It doesn't matter how many times you've heard the gospel and rejected the gospel. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday or this morning. None of that stuff matters because when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished, and he breathed his last breath, God was satisfied with that sacrifice. He was satisfied that the name that's above every other name, he was satisfied with that service, and he said, you know what? Game over. (laughs) Come on in. Heaven is open. The holy place, it's open. The, the, The presence of God, it's open. Relationship with God, it's open. Closeness with God, it's open. By the way, forgiveness is open. By the way, feeling like you're worth something, it's open. By the way, feeling like God loves you, it's open. Feeling like life is not over anymore, it's open. Feeling hope, it's open. Because Jesus said so, when he said it is finished. I know for some of us in the room, we're like, ah, that's great, I've heard that story 400,000 times. Man, I hope you hear it 400,000 more, because if you're not impressed, There's something wrong. I've heard about the cross, oh I have too and it blows me up every single time. Because I'm not confused by this man that's standing on this stage tonight. I'm not worthy to be on a stage tonight. I'm not worthy to do much of anything. I didn't do anything that earned me a spot in heaven. I don't even know how to put on church clothes. I didn't sing enough songs to get in heaven. I didn't read enough Bible to get in heaven. And I certainly didn't pray a prayer good enough to impress Creator God to get me into heaven. You know what's going to get me there? It is finished. Curtain ripped, door open, welcome in. And you may look at that and you may be like, well, that's great for you because you you do the church thing. It's great for you because you know something about the Bible. It's not much, to be honest. It's great for you because whatever. Man, it's not for me because you don't know what I've done. Let me just read you something. This is when the curtain of the sanctuary was split in two from top to bottom. This is when the centurion, this is not just a normal soldier, this is the guy who's in charge of the soldiers. When he, who was standing opposite him, being Jesus, saw the way he breathed his last, he said... This man really was God's son. you get the power of those words? I don't don't know why Mark even decided to put those in there for us, but this is not just some guy who was standing in the crowd watching the crucifixion go down. If he wasn't the very one who nailed Jesus to the cross, he was the one who gave the orders to do it. And the first one who confesses Jesus as Lord after the crucifixion is the fire Door open. You don't know what I've done. No, but I know what he did. And it worked for him. I know what I've done. And it worked for me. I know what some of you guys have done. I know, I know some of you guys, and I know your stories. And you can see some of your stories all over your body, and, and I've seen how, how Jesus can come into that and just breathe. And then I see the evidence of that heartbeat. It is life in Jesus. Heaven is open. Door is open. It is finished. Can I just say that tonight? It is finished. Here's the story. It's all of our stories. I was dead in my trespasses and my sins. It doesn't matter what they look like. Same disease, sin. Same symptom, Death. It's a fatal disease. But the word of God says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love made us alive with the Messiah. This is the moment people. It is finished. There's nothing for you to do tonight. Heaven is open. Let's pray.